Hey, I'm Trent Lewer. Welcome to the Recruiting Game Podcast. I'm here with uh, my guest, uh, Reed, here, uh, who's currently over at Northwestern State. Um, super excited to have you on the podcast. Super excited to talk about some recruiting that you've been through. Uh, we've kind of gone through similar paths with the JUCO, um, but I know you've gone through the transfer portal at the D1 level. Um, probably a lot of guys want to know about that. And then also being a specialist, which is kind of its own unique thing. So super excited to have you on the podcast, man. Yeah, man, excited to be here. Uh, been through a lot, man. The last four years have been crazy, but yeah, excited to talk about it with you today. Yeah, for sure, man. Um, so yeah, why don't you uh, kind of give a little bit of an introduction, just tell everybody your story. I know being from, from Texas is a little bit similar to California, um, but you know, tell, tell everybody about your path and what got you to where you are now. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, yeah, so out of high school, wasn't really heavily recruited being specialists. It's, it's a little different on that end, but uh, I got a couple of PWOs, and at the time I really wasn't – I was looking for more of a scholarship. I know I was a scholarship-type player and uh, ended up getting a, a full scholarship to Blinn Junior College at the time, which was honestly a great experience. Had a couple of PWOs to, like, Texas State, UTSA, and other places, but Blinn, Blinn offered me some money, and ultimately that's where I chose – and was there when COVID hit, COVID hit after six months there, played season, played a couple games. And, um, yeah, after after that, really just upped my recruiting game a little bit, got an offer from Sam Houston State, and that was a PWO. So, But not knowing what COVID was going to do at the time, I took it and ran with it and spent three years at Sam Houston State and got my degree in marketing. And from there, hit the portal once again and found myself a home here at Northwestern State on full scholarship, being a kicker punter here. So, Awesome, man. Yeah, I don't think uh, people really know like how special that is to, to be on a full scholarship as a specialist. I mean, not, not many guys get to see that. So that, that's awesome, man. Um, why don't we kind of talk about uh, JUCO a little bit first? I know you, like me being from a California JUCO, it's way different than the NJCAAs, especially like big schools like Blinn. I mean, uh, I'm over at Morningside now, and so we just we scrimmaged uh, Iowa Central um, and, and whatnot. And like those are different kind of programs. Obviously, they can offer money and everything like that. But like, what does that look like from a scholarship standpoint? What does that look like from the program as a whole? Like, how would you kind of describe those things? Um, just as someone who doesn't really know too much about it. Yeah, definitely. JUCO, for for starters, is really a different experience. It's definitely a grind just as much as anyone else at any position there. Um, but, no, it was amazing. Uh, I got it, it got me experience and, and learned a lot from the players there, uh, being a specialist there especially. <laughs> we don't get much love, but like I said, it, it was a grind there, and – uh, Blinn Junior College, of course, has a great rep and uh, got a bunch of exposure out of there. So it's pretty good to have a lot of coaches come around at our time at, at practices and everything like that. So I think Blinn Junior College at, at, at the time was honestly a great experience and a great stepping stone for me to hit the D1 level. So mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%, man. I mean, like how many how many players did you guys have over there? How many guys were on, on the, in the program as a whole? Ooh, in the program, we definitely did have a lot. So I know 
uh, we, there's not too much JUCOs in Texas, but um, on the team, we probably had about 120. And then I know they had like their walk-on um, team as well, people that just wanted to come walk on. And that even was backed up to like 200 people. And then if you wanted to go try out, you had to like get on a wait list. And even that was like backed up to at least a hundred people as well. So it, it was really a, di- a different experience, but hearing that and being fortunate enough to get a scholarship there, I was like, okay, like this is a big deal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know. That's, that's crazy. And I mean, how many, there's only, like you said, there's only a couple of JUCOs in Texas. I think there's, I feel like off the top of the head, I, I'm feeling like there's only single digits, like seven or something like that. Maybe, maybe I'm, Am I wrong on that or yeah, it could be like five four or five it's, it's yeah, maybe even less which is yeah. just crazy yeah no it's really it's really not that many so like i said it was it was a very fortunate experience to to get a scholarship out of high school to to go there and then play for um the head coach and the, the coaches there so it was great yeah and it's so different i mean again uh, the comparison between california jucos and texas jucos is like I went to Santa Barbara City. We had Ventura like 45 minutes down south. We had Alan Hancock an hour and a half north. And there's, I can't remember how many, but there's like 80 other JUCOs out there in California compared to like, yeah, of course you're going to get that many kids out of Texas JUCO because it's like there's only a couple others to choose from. So mm-hmm. it's, just, uh, it's insane to, to see the difference. Um, I'm kind of curious, like just scholarship wise, like, what were they like? Because what were they just covering your your board, like room and board tuition, pretty much, or what yeah, was so that we look? Were covering room and board and uh, tuition and everything. So that was that was very good. I I had a uh, academic scholarships too to cover the rest, like books and whatever else I needed, personal items and stuff. So awesome, man! And then did they? I, I know it's usually like a conference rule, so it kind of depends. But like, did they have a Hey, like this many out of state guys can be on the team or have scholarships on the team, or do you know that? Um, that's a great question. I, I, I did not know that. Um, I know there wasn't, there really wasn't many people on scholarship there, probably okay. 20, 30 people. So being one of those, like I said, it was a very fortunate experience. So, yeah, that's awesome, man. That's awesome. Cool. Well, yeah, Blinn College. I mean, obviously, that's that's a whole another level when you talk about that that big of a program. Um, and then you went to Sam Houston State after that, which, <laughs> I mean, also a very great program. Got to go win a national championship over in the FCS level, which is, I mean, definitely not, you know, not a uh, underachievement by any means. So, um, why don't you kind of talk about? I guess walk us through the recruiting process going to Sam Houston State. What that look like? Um, timeline-wise and what other schools you were talking to. Um, kind of give us an insight into that, I guess. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, yeah, at the time, after that season, uh, I had redshirted at Blend Junior College, and uh, people, everybody was really just looking at my high school film. They knew I had the what it took to get to a D1 level and everything, but just at the time, they weren't really recruiting. So a lot of it was looking at my high school film for the most part. And uh, I think it was January. I had a couple like D1 FCSs follow me. And I think it was February, maybe March, Sam Houston State was talking to me and was like, hey, like, 
how's your season at Blingo? Is, is it going good? How's it going? And then they ended up offering me a PWO at the time. And that was right when COVID hit. And my head coach there was like, we don't recruit many, or we don't get a specialist at the time to big D1 levels. I know it's, it's different in JUCO. I mean, we'd love for you to stay, but with COVID and everything happening, I, I'd understand if you want to go hit uh, Sam Houston State. And at the time, it was a huge decision. It was a, it, I could stay, rack up some more offers, or I could uh, go to Sam Houston State and uh, pursue my degree, which I was already got my AA in that first year at Blinn Junior College, which was good as well. So, uh, but Sam, Sam reached out to me, ended up taking that, and with with COVID and everything, it it was it was very delayed experience, but it was great at, at too. So I ended up not even getting to Sam Houston probably very early August, and August. We didn't know what was going to happen. We didn't know if we were going to play a season or not. And so it was just a, a grind from there. And then once we found out we weren't playing a season, that we'll play, be playing a spring season, it's kind of different. It was weird, but, I mean, a lot of schools ended up doing that. So it was, it was cool. It was a cool, different experience. And that season we ended up winning a national championship, which was honestly an amazing experience. So I think it, ultimately I, I made the right decision. So. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, a lot of people would say the same. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I guess kind of going into, to uh, you know, obviously with COVID and everything like that, that recruiting cycle was a little bit interesting. I can only imagine, like for me, because what, you graduated in 2019, right? Yes, yeah, I graduated 2019 out of high school, so. Okay, gotcha, yeah. So um, obviously I was I was coming out of high school, so it was a little bit different, like, um, and I'd already decided I was going the JUCO route out of high school. So I can only imagine like that junior college COVID recruiting cycle. I mean, that, that was probably pretty hectic with everything. Um, <clears throat> what, uh, what, like, what other schools were you talking to? Um, did you feel like, I mean, you said Sam Houston offered you in March. Is that what you yeah, said? Yeah, March. Okay. Do you, yeah. Do you, you would have waited, you know, you might've got more stuff. Like, what do you, what do you think at, looking back? I guess. <laughs> and it all comes, uh, it's, it's with opportunity and everything, but um, I feel like if I would have waited, I, I definitely could have achieved more offers, could have, could have gone somewhere even bigger maybe. But at, at the time we, we really just didn't know. I, everybody that was talking to me either just kind of slowed down their recruiting or like just stopped talking to me at, at all and it, it was a very different experience COVID messed up a lot of people but um even even your high school high school guys which is, sucks for them but uh yeah in the end I think if I would have stayed there Blaine would have prepared me more but it, it it led me here today uh still having two years left and playing at Northwestern State so awesome awesome stuff man um how did you like? How did you end up getting recruited by Sam Houston State um, and the other schools? Like, were you reaching out to them? Like, did they reach out to you? What was kind of what? What did it look like as far as the process? Yeah, so I never really had guidance on recruiting. I wish I did, but um, I, I would just say I was really just reaching out through Twitter and uh, 
emailing coaches, finding contacts as much as I can and uh, sending my film, doing literally anything I could to get in talks with these coaches. It was hard and and a a lot of it was ghosting and tough on that. But uh, I actually knew the the Sam Houston coach. Uh, He actually went to my high school probably like six, seven, eight years back. It's been been a while, but he knew me. I knew him. And uh, ultimately at the time, he was like, yeah, Reed, like, we love your film. We loved it in high school. We just didn't have a uh, space for you at the time, but three of our kickers left now. So come be our guy. And I was like, okay, <laughs> I'll take I'll take that offer. So that's how that all went. Uh, yeah, the recruiting side was very interesting. Never really had guidance, but in the end, I, I got where I wanted to be. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel like that's a lot of us, though. Like we were kind of flying by the seat of our pants, trying to figure things out and and get things done. And luckily, it worked out. But, mm-hmm. um, so yeah. Then you you go to Sam Houston State. Obviously, um, you know things go well over there. You win a national championship, get your degree, um, and then decide to enter the transfer portal. Right mm-hmm. after that. Um, and then kind of, you know, we, we meet up obviously during that time and, and get to, uh, get to know each other a little bit. Um, and then, you know, you decide to go to, to Northwestern state kind of, I guess, walk us through, I, I do want to touch on like life after football a little bit. Cause I know, you know, you're kind of living that a little bit, mm-hmm. but, um, why don't you talk a little bit about the transfer portal? um what that's like um some things you've learned uh, and then also how you ended up over at our northwestern northwestern state <laughs> yeah no that that's definitely a, a huge experience and a huge long story but uh no to sum everything up to when i entered the portal and everything um it, it went well it was great i probably had at least 100 coaches follow me that same day as i hit the portal everyone it loves a D1 transfer guy. And yeah, once you hit the portal, it's, it's a lot of love from there, but it's, it's all about um, staying with it and talking to those coaches. Cause a lot of those coaches will ghost you and, and just find something different. So uh, yeah, once I hit, entered the portal, had a bunch of D3s, D2s and D1 FCS uh, looking at me and, uh, once they followed me, yeah, I was just reaching out, uh, constantly talking to them, uh, literally posting film every day and, and getting in talks with these coaches. And unfortunately, things really didn't go the way I wanted it to. I was really looking for like a scholarship opportunity because I know I was I've already graduated with my degree. I wanted something where uh, they're paying for something. I want to get my master's. And I, I, at the time, I really just didn't think I had the money to go on and get my master's. So uh, it was coming up on that May where I was about to take a, a D2 PWO to A&M Kingsville and kind of just kind of waited it out to see if they were going to offer me some money or something. And they never did. And things kind of fell short. So I, I started work life and... <laughs> That, that, that was an experience for a couple months. Uh, it was going good for a while. And uh, in the end, um, Northwestern State ended up losing two of their uh, punters and kickers at the time. And they called me up literally 
two weeks ago and was like, hey, what are you doing? Like, we need you. What's happening? And I was like, uh, I'm working, taking an internship right now. What's up, coach? He's like, hey, we need you. Um, I have a, I have an opportunity I think you don't want to miss. And they went into their meetings. The next day they called me, had all the coaches called me, and was like, hey, like, we have a full scholarship available for you. We want you to come in and be our punter. And I was like, shoot. Like, this changes a lot for me. But uh, things happen for a reason, and I guess football – doesn't want me to leave so glad to be here <laughs> yeah man i mean you still got two years left so might as well use them um yeah that, that's just crazy to it, it's it's always crazy to hear people's recruiting stories and and uh you know you, you just always realize that all it takes is that one one shot one chance whether it's like you know random text out of the blue random dm or random phone call um you know sometimes you're just on somebody's board and you don't really know what's going to happen. And then next thing you know, you're, you're getting an, an offer. So uh, that's awesome to hear. That's exactly. Yeah. I know having two years left, I knew I was like, I should definitely use it, but I, I was just looking for the right opportunity. So I'm glad they took a chance on me. So now I'm here. Yep. Um, I guess going back to the transfer portal, like what are, I mean, I, I didn't even know, um, you know, Hey, like a hundred coaches followed you after I hit the transfer portal. I think that's, it's pretty crazy to me, at least. Um, what what other things did you learn throughout the transfer portal? Um, you know, what what mistakes do you feel like you made that you know somebody else should know before they would answer uh, enter the transfer portal? Things like that. Yeah. So going into it, it's kind of everybody kind of goes into it blind. I had a lot of people ask me at the time that were hitting the portal as well, uh, but. Uh, it, it was a very great learning experience once I hit the portal and those all those coaches followed me. I, I knew that I needed to do something a little different than what I was doing back in high school and, and JUCO to up my recruiting game. And, uh, yeah, I just I just learned that to stay on top of things and, and uh, really reach out to those coaches and, and bug them in, in a sense but not, like, annoy them and uh, – yeah, I think that was the biggest learning experience. And if I could do it again, I'd, I'd really just keep reaching out to those coaches. Um, uh, probably put something different maybe in, in my Twitter DMs, just be like, hey, D1 FCS guy, like ready to play, let's go. And I, I think that would be the biggest thing, learning from that through the portal. So, Yeah, 100%. I mean, I think too many people are like so scared to – so kind of bug a coach in a way, but you, I mean, you have to, if you really, if you really want to that bad. Um, I, I always get that all the time. Like, how do you, how do you stand top of a coach's mind without being annoying or something like that? It's like, you just have to do it. Like mm-hmm. uh, kind of at your own judgment, but still kind of have to fit, find a way. So definitely agree with you there. Yeah. Um, why don't we talk a little bit about life after football? Cause you were living that for a little bit, like you mentioned, um, I guess, like, how was that transition for you for a little bit? Like, what are what are some thoughts you have on that now? Experiencing it a little bit, um, how can how can uh, some players prepare for that? Obviously, I'm probably going to go through that sometime soon. So, um, you know, would love to hear your takes. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I would say, yeah, transitioning into that, it was it was definitely different. Um, I think we have a lot of skills being football players that help us and help us achieve 
success after after football. So uh, transitioning into that, it was a lot of interviews. It was a lot of things I've been through before, uh, just face to face interviews, uh, dressing up, being being that guy, looking presentable, and uh, it was it was it wasn't a different experience of what I, I've been through already. So. It was, it was just a bunch of interviews, talking to people, and ultimately I ended up finding a couple jobs here and there. Wasn't really looking too big. I know I was still kind of training at the time, seeing what I could get, but I, I definitely shifted my mindset a little bit to uh, being that business dude because business and marketing, of course. So I shifted to that mindset, tried to get everything I could. Um, and prepare for success in my life, basically. So, awesome, man. Awesome. Yeah, that, that's some good stuff. I think. I mean, it, it feels so different, but it's really not when you think about it. Just like the the same. A lot of things apply the same way when you when you look at it from football to to whatever you you change to. You can just apply a lot of the same things. I imagine you you start to realize that. No. Yeah. Exactly. It was all. Pretty much the same thing. Nothing I haven't been through before. Yeah. Cool, man. Um, well, let's kind of just talk like broad recruiting because I feel like, <laughs> um, you know, I, I went through the recruiting process a lot, uh, just being, you know, going from high school, going to JUCO. And then you've been through the recruiting process a lot from, you know, high school to JUCO to transfer portal. Um, you know, what are some general things that you feel like you've learned uh, that somebody listened to can apply today? I mean, I know we talked about uh, just making sure to stay on top of coaches, you know, reaching out to coaches, posting on Twitter. You mentioned that. Mm -hmm. What do you feel like are some other things that recruits miss or just little details maybe? Yeah, so I, I would say definitely um, a lot of people go into it blind. Um, definitely having – the, the background knowledge, of course, is is a big step of what you want to know with with recruiting and everything. So that that would be the big thing. Learn how to recruit, learn how to get recruited, and, and how, learn how to get your face in front of coaches. And then the, the next thing I would say is just be – build a big relationship with these coaches. Um, that's one thing I wish I would have known and done before. I was just like, hey, coach, this is me. And they'd be like, cool, <laughs> that's about it. And ghost me from there. Uh, I would dive deeper, just get to know them a little bit, learn about the program, learn about if they have your degree, if they have anything that can help benefit fit you outside of just football. And then it's more about getting close to those coaches as well. So once you're talking to them, you got them hooked um try to have just like a normal conversation like we are here today have a conversation every other day just be like hey coach like great game last week how did you feel like you did last week or how did you feel like the team did last week um i feel like if i would have done some simple things like that built a relationship with any of the coaches that uh the schools were talking to me or that i wanted to go to i think i in the end would have got what i Ultimately, would have wanted, but unfortunately, like I said, I I went in kind of blind, didn't know what to do, and but fortunate to be here where I am today. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I, I I agree so much with the relationship stuff. I feel like you don't coming out of high school, even I guess out of junior college, I, I started to realize it more. But like in high school, I didn't really 
you don't really realize the the whole relationship aspect, mm-hmm. especially like it's the only time you get to choose like, hey, this is the coaching staff I want to go with. Um, you know, you're just thinking like, oh, I'm I'm just happy to get offered like to go play college football, and like that's the big thing that you're thinking through. But like, once I went JUCO, I was like, I really like the coaching staff I had, and I was like, I want to go have that same feeling at the next school I'm at because that just makes it such a better experience. Like, cause you're around those coaches all the time, um, through meetings, practice, whatever else you're doing. Um, you know, during full camp, it's like 12 hour days that you're spending with that coaching staff and the teammates and everything like that. So yeah, the last man. thing you like, not like your coaches and then you're just having a miserable time the whole time. And just cause you chose that school for some random reason. So, yeah, uh, I, I'm sure you agree with that. I definitely do. Having a coach that loves and believes in you and, and takes their time out of their day to understand what you're going through and feel for you is, is a different experience, honestly. And I, I believe that's a huge thing and, and looking at what's recruiting and everything. So. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then, I mean, like you said, it just, it helps with recruiting too. Like I feel, I mean, you're, you just like, you probably go up on their board when you're, building that relationship with them and they like you and you know they're going to battle for you when they're doing their recruiting meetings and talking about you know what's going on with with each recruit so Mm. why not build that relationship with them and and uh even if it doesn't work out it it still makes sense in the long run i think so it just it's uh it's definitely something that that i overlooked a lot i think a lot of younger recruits did and definitely a, a mistake that it's easy to make because you just don't really think about it too much until it's too late. Yeah, no, definitely. You, you want to be that guy that they talk about in their meetings or just uh, when they're looking at their phone or something like, Hey, I wonder how this guy's doing. Um, should I hit him up today again? Uh, see if he's still thinking about us. So regardless of you, if you have the talent or not, you should constantly be building that relationship with them. And, um, uh, just bugging them in a sense. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, anything, anything else? I mean, obviously we talked about relationships there, but, um, anything else you feel like, uh, is a common mistake that recruits make sometimes? Uh, I would probably just say definitely with, with film. Uh, I see a lot of recruits, mess up film whether it's just too long too boring you want to have your explosive plays of course first but you want to put what you your physical assets in a sense you want to describe how tall you are you want to describe your stats what what all you've done this season then make that those highlights those big plays put them up first nothing nothing boring that's going to lose their attention really quick show them that and then of course at the end show show them just something i i say it as a kicker something that's repetitive uh and this is for the kickers and specialist side it's something that's show that you're consistent at what you do being consistent kicker making those long field goals and making um 100 pats in a row is is what they look at and as long as you're you're staying the same form and, and it's working, it's doing great. I think at at the end they're gonna be like, hey, like he's not changing up anything, he's not messing up this. Uh, 
I think he's a good consistent kicker. Let's look at him. So I would say definitely film. Uh, be be active on that. Know what you, you, you need to put out there. So Yeah, I like that, like showing that you're consistent at, at certain things. Uh, it definitely applies a lot to specialists, but I think it, it apply a lot to other positions. But, yeah, I, I agree with that. Too often people miss, um, you know, showing their best place first or showing off what they do best. Like I think back to – I'm doing all these highlight evaluations, so I'm getting to see a lot of film. And so I see all the time, like a old lineman who's like six, five, 300 <clears throat> and like should be, you know, super aggressive, something like that. And then they don't even like, they don't even have a title screen that shows off their height and their weight. Mm -hmm. uh, they don't have like their first play is like a pass play. They're super passive. And I'm like, I see a play like six plays later where it's like, they just crush somebody down on a double team on the goal line. It's like, dude, that should be your first play. Like, why is that not your first play? Like, that's exactly what the coach is looking for. They're not looking for you to pass block. They're looking for you to be super aggressive because they that's what they want on your on a team. Um, so yeah, definitely, definitely can agree with that. Yeah, no, I was going to say that as well. I see a lot of O linemen that that'll post something just simple pass plays and where they're just blocking. And then like a couple plays later, they're pancaking guys doing something crazy. I'm like, dude, this should be your first play. That's, it's going to gain my attention easily, but it same, same applies for kicking as well. I, I see a lot of kickers and I'm guilty of it as well. Uh, I'll put a PAT first or something stupid that in the end, I, I should have put the, the 50 yard field goal I had first. So they're like, okay, that guy has a leg. What else can he do? And then at the end, show how consistent I am. So, yeah, yeah, I think the best way to think about it is like your your highlights aren't. I think too many people think like, oh, I'm gonna get offered based on my highlights. Um, and instead, you should be thinking like, I'm trying to catch their attention so that way they'll you know look into me more. Because if you try to think of like, oh, hey, I need to pace this out and make it look like. I can do all these things and they're going to watch the full tape, then you're just wrong. What they're going to do is they're going to watch the first five plays and make a decision. Mm -hmm. And they probably won't even watch the rest of it. Um, and either you'll be getting a, a message back or you won't be getting a message back after those five plays. So the last thing you want to do is, is hold something off or play six or something like that. And then, you know, you, you don't hear anything back and you're wondering why. So mm -hmm. uh, I, I think that's, that's definitely a big mistake that, that people make. Yeah, I would say that as well, especially um, in, in JUCO. A lot of our guys, we probably had like five, six guys that went D1. The reason that they got recruited to go to those big D1s is their first plays, they're headhunting, playing through the whistle, bullying guys, and that's what coaches love to see. I mean, that's that's a playmaker, that's someone that's going to go uh, do something great for your team, so. Yeah, absolutely, man. I, I, yeah, I, I think uh, it's all about dominating. That's what it is. Cause like you're trying to play at the next level, the level above you, whether that's D1 or, or just college football in general. And so you need to show that you're, you're dominant to some extent. Obviously, if you're trying to play D1, Power Five, like you need to be really dominant. And then if like you're just trying to play D2 or NI, then, you know, hey, you still have to show that you're better than everybody else, but mm -hmm. not to this extent. <clears throat> but exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that's, that's all some good stuff. Um, I, I really uh, appreciate you coming on and uh, is there anything else, any uh, last notes or anything else that you want to leave the, the audience with? 
uh, I would just say get on top of recruiting and uh, – don't don't let those opportunities pass you up because <laughs> I was about to for a little bit. I know I, I, I started that work life and everything, but um, fortunately I was able to get a, a great opportunity and I, I knew that I still wanted to play football. So it was a little far away from home, but I, I took the chance and I was like, dude, football's for me. <laughs> so let's keep it going. Awesome, man. Um, anything I know you have – two Twitter profiles. you want to plug those at all? Uh, yeah. The first Twitter profile would just be Reed H212, my recruiting one, the one I got recruited by. Um, show you I'm at Northwestern State, post a lot of good content, post kicking stuff. So, And then later here in a year or two, we'll go back to the business side and keep working on that. So, Awesome, man. Well, yeah, I really appreciate you coming on. It's uh, been good to chat about some football and recruiting stuff and um you know definitely have to have you on again so it's good catching up man and um yeah this is in the recruiting game podcast peace peace